This is episode 71 with Chandler Bolt. This is Crowdfunding Uncut, the place where creators and entrepreneurs come to learn how to launch a successful crowdfunding campaign. Here's your host, Kirsten Ross. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to another episode of Crowdfunding Uncut. My name is Kirsten, and today we're taking another look at self-publishing. Writing your own book is really a hot topic. It's almost as hot as everyone and their dog wanting to start a podcast right now. Um, In our last episode, we talked about uh, how to have a six-figure launch of your book um, and some of the principles to having it on Amazon and how that relates to crowdfunding and all that. But what if you listened to that and thought, okay, yeah, but I'm really stuck. I want, I'd love to be an author, but I don't know how to get started. I experience writer's block. I don't know what to write about. I don't know, you know, all that mental block that comes with actually getting started on writing a book. And so I'm bringing on Chandler Bolt for this episode. He is a uh, five times bestselling author, um, fellow student painter, which is Awesome. I tend to bond with those guys really well, even though he's the U.S. version of it. And um, he runs a online school for self-publishing around how to get from that first word to on the shelf within 90 days. And it's a really this episode is great because it actually goes into how to take action, which is what a lot of people struggle with. And um, he. Like, I don't know, uh, I just thought this would be a really, really great angle because a lot of Kickstarter projects get started around authors wanting to build their personal brand online, but how do you actually get started? And uh, that is what this episode is about. So let's get started. Chandler Bolt. What's up? Hey, how's it going? Great to be here. Yeah, so freaking awesome to have you. And can I just say I'm really jealous you're in California while I'm stuck in (laughs) Toronto in December? Well, you're not jealous of my rent payment, so no, <laughs> well, yeah. that's uh, that's that's the bright side for you. Yeah. So, where in Cali are you right now? So, I'm in, I'm in San Francisco. Um, I'm downtown. I mean, I can literally look. I mean, I'm looking right now at the Twitter headquarters, and then Uber and Square headquarters are right across the street the other way, and so kind of in the thick of things here in San Francisco. That's great. That must be pretty inspirational to wake up to see those mega startups just outside your place. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty great. I mean, I'm a little bit jealous of the perks because I'm actually so I'm on the 14th floor and I look I look down on the Twitter building and I see their their grassy rooftop with like cornhole boards and an outdoor cafeteria and like all the, and then my my roommate works for Twitter so he's got the shortest commute ever besides me because I you know I you go from my home. bed to my desk which is about ten feet. <laughs> um, but that the uh, yeah I'm, I'm a little bit jealous of all the perks but it's that's why I moved here to be inspired by. You know, this is kind of where it's at if if you're trying to scale something like I'm trying to scale it. So yeah, exactly. So tell me, um, just a bit of a recap. Like we have, you and I have very similar background in the. You know, I actually did the student painter thing with you. (laughs) Nice. Not with Canada equivalent, but yeah, I, I read that in Business Insider. I was like, yes, we're gonna have a great conversation. Yeah, that's awesome. So you went from student painter to five times best-selling author, and then you have actually created a school that teaches people how to go from first word to on-the-shelf author in three months. Yes. Yeah. And um, the, the irony is that I'm a college dropout who created the school. So I dropped out of school um, after doing student painters for a couple of years and having a decent amount of success with that. 
um, I dropped out of school and then eventually started a school, self-publishing school. So uh, it, it's exactly what you just said. We teach people how to go from no idea to best-selling book in, in, uh, in 90 days. So that's kind of our thing, and, and that's what we've been doing. We've had thousands of students uh, go through the program and been able to teach a bunch of people, and then I'm, I'm on my sixth book. So it's been all things books for the last few years for me. And where can people go to find out more information about the school? Yeah, so you can just go to self-publishingschool.com. We're putting out, I mean, we're always putting out great content on there. So self-publishingschool.com is the best place to go for that. Yeah, you guys have a really good blog too. So I'll link that in the show notes. Cool. Um, what inspired you? So at what point in your journey where you'd written your first book and then like what, can you tell me a bit about the transition between writing a book to teaching people how to do it? Like what was the transition like and why did you do it? Yeah, I, I had, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in looking at what's in, directly in front of you and maximizing that and giving that your all. I think too many people try to look around what they're currently doing and they're like, oh, okay, I don't really like doing this current thing that I'm doing. I can't wait until I get into that job or I can't wait until I get into that. You know, it's like you're always looking five steps ahead. And, and so you, what happens is you don't even focus on what's right in front of you. And since you don't focus on what's right in front of you, you don't get to those five steps ahead. Right. So I, I've been uh, more of a believer in, hey, this is what's immediately in front of me. I'm going to maximize this and then we'll see what happens afterwards. So that's kind of what happened to me. I had no plans of writing a book and then I ended up writing a book and it was very successful. Uh, brought in close to 7,000 bucks in the first month, continued to bring thousands of dollars a month in, in passive income as I was dropping out of school. So the book paid the bills. The book kept my head above water. And then from there, I said, okay, I'm going to do another book. And uh, I launched that book with my brother. It was for charity. So all the profits uh, from that book went to charity. It was buy one book, save one life. So every book purchased, um, purchased a life-saving malaria pill for someone in a third world country. So that was my next stop. Then a friend told me just an incredible story. And I said, hey, you need to make this into a book. And in fact, if you don't make it into a book, I'm going to take it and I'll make it into a book and I'll sell the book. <laughs> and uh, so he did it and I helped him out and I helped him do that. And then, so then it was, okay, I'm, I'm at three books and I think it was six to eight months that were published. Uh, and, and then people started asking about it. And at the time I dropped out of school, I was working on a business that was completely failing. And people kept asking about this, this book publishing thing. And I had no intention of, I mean, it's not like I was one of those people who said, oh, I'm going to do this so I can get enough credibility to teach it. That's not really my style. Uh, I just said, hey, I want to do this. And then, and then it's one of those things where somebody can only smack you in the butt so many times before you turn around and look, <laughs> right? And that's what was happening. People were smacking me in the butt. Uh, asking me about this. And I kept turning around and be like, oh yeah, I'll just tell you everything I know for free on a one hour call. And I did that over and over and over again. I was sounding like a broken record. And finally, so people kept, just kept asking about it. I said, you know what? I need to teach this. Uh, and I said, well, before I you know, spend months creating this whole big course, I want to see if anyone's going to buy this. So I pre-sold the course. I had zero content created uh, and pre-sold the course. Uh, we got 44 Students brought in $86,000. And so I said, all right, cool. This is validation that this is something that people want. So went down the path to creating that course alongside those 44 students. So we dripped out the content over the course of 90 days. We got to the end of that and we got to about the even, I think it was about the six month mark. And I tallied up every student individually and we had over a 60% success rate, meaning they had written and published a book in that time and within that six month time period which is just insane. 
I mean, 60% of 44 people. Uh, for context for people, uh, with an average program like this, you're lucky if 10% of people even open the program. You know, it's kind of like people buy programs like this for their shelf esteem. <laughs> they buy the program and then put it on the shelf and then don't let It's like a workout, you know, a, a workout uh, piece, piece of workout equipment or something. Oftentimes people um, will, will purchase something like this and then they won't do anything with it. So when I saw that 60% success rate, I said, oh, wow, this is unbelievable. I can work with this. And, and for me, I have to believe in something to, to be able to really get behind it and to sell it. If it, if it doesn't work, I, it's, it's not like I'm going to a snake oil salesman. I'm just going to like keep selling it. I, 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 can, I can't even get out of bed to sell the thing if it doesn't work. So once I saw that success rate, I said, all right, cool. I can get behind this. Uh, and then that's kind of where that's led to where we're at now. We officially launched self-publishing school in February of 2015. Um, we went from zero to 1.32 million last year. Um, we'll do a little over 2 million this year. Uh, and we're just growing and, and, helping thousands of people, you know, have their life changed through a book. And our ultimate goal is to put the publishers out of business. Oh man, there's so many good points in there. Guys, if you're listening, not guys, boys and girls, if you're listening, like, do you know how Chandler just said that he pre-sold 844 spots to this course without any content? That is- King Kickstarter. Exactly what Kickstarter is. <laughs> and Chandler- just to go back to, um, like, yes, it makes sense to pre-sell. Don't make this beautiful thing and then realize nobody wants to buy it because it's just such a waste of emotional energy, money, capital, all that stuff. But can you just recap what that did for you mentally when you knew you had 44 spots booked and paid for before you had anything really developed? Oh, well, it was Parkinson's law, right? You know, Parkinson's law states that an object will swell in proportion to the amount of time or resources you give it. So, for example, the average American spends 3% more than they earn. Uh, if you have a, a deadline at school, you're going to cram and get it all done the night before. Just like if someone has a book deal with a major publisher, they're going to write that book probably in the two months before their manuscript is done, even though they have two years. So, I'm a firm believer in that, and I think that when you when you crowdfund or when you uh, pre-sell, in this case, it, it Parkinson's law comes into action because now you have no choice. You have other you have 44 people who said, "Hey, I'm paying you money, uh, and and you told me you're going to deliver this over the next 90 days." So every single week, I had a deadline because I had to drip out content week by week. So every week is like, okay, what am I going to create this week? And so it, it for me, it shrunk down the the content creation process from a period of, I mean, it could have taken six months, nine months, even longer to it shrunk it down to, to three months and on, on an as needed basis. Uh, and now the other thing it did is, and this is the biggest mistake I see people make is they go in their cave, they create something that no one wants, and then they come out of the cave and try to beat it over people's heads. And that's just, I think, a bad way to do business. I would rather ask people what they want, create it, and then create it for them, right? So that's what I did is along the way, along this 90 days, I said, hey, I, I had two segments of students. I had my VIP students who paid more, and I did personal coaching with them. And I had uh, our, I think we called them our pro students. So the, um, these are the normal students, right? So what happened is for the VIP people, I'd say, hey, any content you need, any video you need, any tutorial, whatever, you tell me and I'll create it. 
Now, what ended up happening is the VIP people were a, a week to two weeks ahead of the rest of the class because they're overachievers, right? They're the ones who forked over a little bit more cash. They're more invested. Um, they're really serious about this. So I'd be creating all this stuff for them, and then it would usually turn out that that was the exact content that the rest of the people needed. And so I would just drip it out a week or two weeks later with that week's content. So it, I mean, I was literally creating exactly what people wanted as opposed to guessing what people want and then creating this whole course and then rolling it out crickets and zero sales. I love that. Because like, so part of my work is I have, I guess like you, the VIP students, which are the campaigns that I would advise and manage. And then I have the just Mm -hmm. one-off sessions um, with smaller campaigns. Well, like the first thing we do before a launch is you need to have an audience to launch to. And if you have a product that can have multiple uses, the very first thing that we do in the first month or two months of working with the client is we get them to uh, validate the idea further by actually testing Facebook ads and talking to people and doing customer interviews to see where exactly people resonate the most with what the use of this product would be so that we don't just guess on what the positioning needs to be. It's more okay, we know that people are resonating way more with this use, so we need to go with that. Mm, Love that. So talking to people is, oh, it's huge. And I love how you've just like put this into the process because it's so underutilized. It's so important. I mean, until you talk to people and get their feedback, and granted, all feedback is not equal. Uh, The one caveat I'd give here is don't take uh, feedback from people who aren't your target market. Those people will happily give you feedback. But for instance, so I wrote, my first book was a book on productivity for entrepreneurs. I wouldn't go ask my grandma what she thinks about my book uh, because her feedback's irrelevant because she's not my target audience. And in fact, she, she would probably give me bad feedback because she's not my target audience. So you have to be careful not to take feedback from people who aren't your target audience. And then the second thing is you have to be careful to take feedback from people who won't pay you money. Because uh, the feedback, feedback I, I kind of like to have people vote with their credit card. <laughs> um, that's why I pre-sell because until people vote with their credit card, I mean, I'll run surveys, I'll do all that stuff, and that's great. And there's definitely useful information there. Uh, but oftentimes, the, t- the kind of people who take surveys and say they would buy stuff aren't actually the people who end up buying stuff. Uh, you know, so you just have to be a little bit careful, uh, and you can get a lot of great feedback. But at the end of the day, if someone's giving me some some feedback on, um, you know, like, oh, this is amazing and this is fantastic and uh, the pricing is spot on and I think this would be great, I the next thing I say is, oh, perfect, you want to go ahead and uh, pre buy one, <laughs> and then if if they put their money where their mouth is, then I'll believe what they just said. But if not, then then they're probably just shooting smoke. So can you tell me a bit about when you say getting people to vote with their credit cards and considering you pre-sold your school before you even had content, can you tell me how you what that process looked like to how you actually got someone to buy something that didn't exist yet? Oh, 100%. Um, and, and I'm glad you asked this because I, I just did this again recently. Uh, and I can give a couple different examples here. So the first time I said, hey, look, um, we did three webinars a webinar a week for I think it was three weeks. We we worked our butt off to get as many people on those webinars as possible. Uh, then at the, we would deliver content for about forty five minutes. Excuse me. And then at the end of that webinar, the call to action was to fill out an application. And so the application was to apply to work with us. And the way we pitched it is said we said, hey, 
we're going to create this program. We've never done it before, but hey, look at my track record. Look at my results. They speak for themselves. Uh, we're going to co-create this program with you. It's going to be the most high-touch program that will ever exist. Uh, you'll get the most access to me as, in, as, as any program ever will. It'll be um, the lowest cost that it'll ever be and also um, the high-touch thing, which for one of the packages, we actually gave everyone our personal cell phone number. <laughs> and so that was well, kind of our, our yeah. proof that we said, hey, look, you can call us anytime. And guess what? They won't call. Uh, I mean, they did a couple of times, but for the most part, they don't. Uh, but that just really shows people that you're serious. And so we said, hey, you have to apply. Uh, and then we'll let you know if you're accepted. So now we're reversing the sale. So instead of us begging them to buy, we're trying to get them to pre-qualify to buy. And so then uh, guess what? That application, it's a qualification process. It's, hey, on a scale of one to 10, how interested are you in this course? What's your experience? What type of book would you be writing about? What's your budget for something like this? Uh, th that sort of thing. So we're getting into that. So now that they're trying to, you know, the, the script has been flipped. Uh, and then so we did that multiple weeks in a row. Then we opened the cart. We sold. Uh, we opened the cart to people who were accepted. Uh, then we basically closed the cart, and then that gives some urgency to join. Then we sent, sent out an email and said, hey, why didn't you buy? Um, the, this, you, you fill out the application. You said you were interested. I'm curious. Why didn't you, why didn't you decide to purchase? Uh, hop on a 15-minute call with me, and I'd love to just, you know, get some feedback. And then we'd get feedback on those calls. And we would oftentimes close a bunch of people on those calls because they say, oh, I just wanted to talk to someone in person. I, I'm, I'm leery about giving my credit card over the internet or, you know, any myriad of excuses. Um, so on one, one part, we're, we're actually selling people on those, why didn't you buy phone calls? And on the second hand, uh, we're getting great feedback. I mean, all the things that those people told me, <laughs> In, in those calls, I included in the marketing materials for the next round of the launch because, because then people feel like you're, you've read their diary and you're, you're, you know, you're like reading their mail and saying the things that they're thinking. So that's one way that I've pre-sold it. That was the first way. And then I, I basically said, hey, we're going to drip this out, all that stuff. I mean, obviously dripping the content out, that helps with refunds because if you drip it out over 12 weeks, you don't get any of those people. Or like just buy the course, download all the stuff, and then refund it because they can't. It's not you know two thirds of the content isn't available until after the refund period. So that definitely helps with refunds. Now I just did this recently again. I, I did a survey, it's very similar. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this course. What would you want to learn? Here are seven things I'm thinking about teaching. What's click the ones that are most interesting to you? Then I'm saying how much would you pay for something like this? Uh, et cetera. And then guess what? When I'm doing my marketing webinars, I'm going to speak to all those things that they said that they were most, that were most important to them. And then also when I'm creating the course, I'm going to make sure that I teach those things that they actually care about, not just what I think they care about. Man, this is like music to my ears. The more <laughs> I talk to, um, when I first started this podcast, I was like, oh, I can't really talk to people outside of Kickstarter. But frankly, it's really cool to hear product launch strategies that other people, internet marketers are using off Kickstarter because those principles work so well. And I find that they're very underutilized with actual Kickstarter launches. Yeah. So it's really, marketing really cool. Marketing, right? The, yeah. The fundamentals and the principles of marketing are the same. Whether I'm selling a book 
whether I'm selling a course or whether I'm launching a Kickstarter or crowdfunding campaign. I mean, mar the marketing principles are the same. That's why sometimes people come to me and they're like, oh, but does your stuff work for fiction? <laughs> I'm like, yes, it's marketing. Like the, the fundamentals of marketing are the same. It's just the exact tactics. So the levers that, that you have to that twist and pull and et cetera, those, those might be slightly different, but the overall strategies and fundamentals are the same. Yeah, 100%. Can't forget to do a sponsor spot. Guys at Bagner Kit, thank you so much for sponsoring this episode. If you are in the middle of planning your crowdfunding project or you're in the middle of it and you're wondering how the heck am I going to deliver my digital products or my physical products to my customers and manage all this data, uh, well, BackerKit helps you because they are a crowdfunding fulfillment software tool which will allow you to manage customer information, change addresses, uh, facilitate upsells, downsells, um, managing multiple rewards that people have, and then all that stuff that ends up being a spreadsheet nightmare in the end. So if you want to take advantage of a special offer for the Uncut listeners, head over to um, backerkit.com. Um, if you're reading this on the, listening to this on the blog, don't forget to use special code that will give you 50% off of your order code being uncut. And again, backerkit.com. So let's get back to the interview. So I found like when we were talking before um, to see whether you'd be a good fit for the podcast, it's actually really awesome timing because the episode, I think just before yours is Austin Netsley from... Epic Book Launch, who you told me you used to live with, which is really random. <laughs> yeah, we lived in an entrepreneur. So I put together this entrepreneur house yeah. uh, in San Diego. There was five of us all running online businesses, and Austin was uh, one of the guys there. He's he is. We're still great friends. He's uh, amazing. He, he's, a, he's an awesome dude. Yeah. Oh man, I love him so much. I met him at uh, Tropical Think Tank earlier oh, this cool. year. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. So. Um. And it's cool because I was like, all right, I'm having two book launch guys on back to back. But then it, it's actually really easy because where Austin talks about how to have big six-figure launches for like, say, nonfiction books and turn that into an, like a back-end business, you're actually solving the very first need, which is, okay, well, I want to do that, but I can't, I don't know how to start. So. Right going from zero to 90 days. And I wanted to spend a bit of time talking to you about your experience as an author and some of the roadblocks that you've experienced just taking action, because that is something that many entrepreneurs actually struggle with. So first question on that is what has being an, like, well, not that, how about you said before in your student painter days that you didn't see yourself being an author, but then all of a sudden you chose to write a book. So what prompted the decision to write your first book? Yeah, it, it kind of tripped and fell into it. So I, I knew that I learned some stuff during my student painter days, uh, and from you know running in a, running a six figure business while also going to school full time while also being a young life leader. I mean, there was a lot of demands on my time. So I said, hey, these are principles and lessons that I feel like I've learned that it would be great to teach some of my friends. Uh, so let's put together a twenty page PDF to teach them, and then that just kind of evolved into doing a book. The you know ended up doing a launch on Amazon. Uh, and then it, the book just kind of took off. Okay. And what has becoming an author done for you in terms of building a name for yourself? 
Oh gosh. I, I mean, I don't tell everyone the, the day that I became a best-selling author was like the day my life changed forever, which sounds super cheesy. Uh, but it's, it, it, it couldn't be closer to the truth. I mean, it's, there's not, I was talking with Brian Tracy, um, a few months back on an interview and he said, you know, there's a, there, you can really set, separate your life into two sections. Uh, and, and, and you know how there's bef- uh, BC and AD when you're talking about history and historical dates and yep. that sort of thing. He said for, for people like you and I, he said, I actually separate my life in, in terms of BB and AB before book and after book, <laughs> uh, because your life completely change, changes after you have uh, a best-selling book. And so for me, it was uh, my first book. It, it built a 4,000-plus person email list within a, f- a few months. So now I had an audience. Uh, I started getting on Business Insider, Huffington Post, uh, big-time big uh, publications online, right? I started getting on podcasts. Uh, it gave me confidence. That was the big thing. I was failing at the time, and, and the book represented something that I thought was impossible that became possible. So it made me kind of reevaluate my life and say, okay, I thought a book was impossible and that I would never make this happen. So what, what else do I think is impossible in my life that's actually possible? And so it really just gave me confidence to try bigger and better things, to try new things. Uh, and then it, it opened the door for a back-end business. It opened the door for passive income. I mean, I didn't imagine that one of the first aha moments for me is I was studying abroad in Austria and I snowboarded all day and I came back and, and checked the stats and I made 400 bucks that day. And I was like, man, I just got paid to snowboard. This is the coolest thing ever. Like there's, there's people buying my book all around the world. This isn't my mom, my grandma and their friends anymore. This is real people buying my book all around the world. And, and I, you know, I'm making money while I sleep. I'm making I'm making money while I'm snowboarding. <laughs> while I'm traveling. Like uh, I know it didn't cost four hundred dollars to snowboard today, so I'm I'm in the black. <laughs> so uh, that was kind of one of those things that once you see it, you can never unsee it. And and my life has never been the same since then. Yeah, I can totally relate because and the thing is that you you all, like really don't see what's possible until you take action on something like my. Uh, I've had like mega success with Kickstarter campaigns, but knowing how to leverage that properly. Um, luckily, I have a very good network, and like some things started happening this year because I took chances. And there's things that like mm-hmm. I never would have expected, like writing a blog for Founder Magazine. Um, crazy. I know it's small. That's awesome. Being That's interviewed awesome. for Entrepreneur, like these are little yep. things, but they they snow um, they snowball right. And there's things that never would happen if you don't know how to a leverage your talent, but b take action and. I love that you help people take that first step. Like it's so mm-hmm. good. Um, do you, so with your self-publishing school now, do you still take applications or is it just like anyone who wants to write a book? Like how does that work? Yeah. So we switched off of the application process just cause I feel like it's, it's so it, it's unnecessary complication is tough to execute uh, long term. Because then you have this whole list of people who you're like, well, you didn't fill out an application, but I would really love for you to join self-publishing school. But I can't remain in integrity by pitching you self-publishing school if you haven't filled out an application. So now I have to bug you about filling out an application, which is almost the same as bugging you about buying the course, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we switched off that a little bit. I still think it's the best way, especially just getting started, because psychologically, it, 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 it really helps reposition the sales process. 
but it's just challenged me to become better at selling because you know I have to sell without the whole application process. Uh, so I think if you're just starting, it's the best bang for your buck is to do it that way. But we we don't do that anymore at self publishing school. And when would you think is the right? So like if you were having a conversation with me and I asked you, would you recommend that I write a book? What when would you recommend that someone should write a book, and when should you recommend that someone should not write a book? <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of like they say, when's the best the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree now. is today. <laughs> I have the same opinion on books, but obviously I'm biased, right? I mean, I run a company called Self-Publishing School, so That's I'm not going to say like, oh, you, you shouldn't write a book for like 10 more years. I, You know, it's one of those things where it depends on what your priorities are. And I'm a big start with why guy. Uh, so, you know, Simon Sinek's uh, TED Talk is, is great, it really speaks to that. But it's the first thing that we do in, in the program is, hey, why are you doing this? Because every decision that you make from here on out is going to be dictated by your why. Is that because, and I'm not talking about like, obviously people have their philanthropic or, you know, uh, you know, save the world kind of why, but I'm talking about the other side. Like, why does it make sense for you to do this book now? Is it because you're going to use this to grow your business? Is it because it's a glorified business card? Is it an authority piece? Are you going to use this to drive leads? Do you want to launch a back-end course on the back end of this? Do you want to do speaking? Do you want to do coaching? Like, what is that, right? Do you want to sell physical products? Do you want to drive leads to your local business? Are you not closing enough business? Uh, and you get into proposals and you get turned down and you and you know that having a best-selling book that you could drop out on, onto the table would make you stand out in those situations and you're going to close 50% more of your proposals that you're pushing out the door, right? What is that reason? Because all the, all the decisions that you make for your book are going to be dictated by that. So uh, it, it really depends. I think there's no better way if you're trying to establish, establish yourself as an authority, uh, if you want to bring in some, some side or if you're you're trying to uh, you know get some get some more business, I think there's no better way. But it's just a matter it's just a matter of what else do you have on your plate, uh, and you know is it does it make sense to do it right now? I think for most people it does because they're chasing the latest shiny object that actually won't get them anywhere. But a, in most cases, a book will. Um, so I'm a, I'm a sooner than later kind of guy because I feel like if you ask people, oh, do you have time to write a book right now? No. I mean, what are they going to say? <laughs> no. Oh, definitely not. I mean, n- you know, 9.9 out of 10 people are going to say that because that's because there's never a perfect time to write a book. Like you're going to have to do it before you're ready. It's kind of like the old Zig Ziglar quote where he says, if you wait for all the lights to turn green before starting your journey, you'll never leave your driveway. <laughs> uh, and and I that's always rang true to me is, is if you wait for all the lights to turn green to write your book, you're never going to write your book. And then what would you say, um, as my last question before we get into your new book that's coming out very soon, um, actually probably, yeah, this is going to be published on the 6th or 7th. So, um, what yeah, would I see you, what you did there. Right. Published. Oh man. I, oh, I, to do it. I mean, yeah, that was intentional. <laughs> published. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's funny. Oh, that's so funny. No. Actually, you just uh, interviewed with my friend Rachel Peterson, and she's like, oh, my God, I was such a ditz, and I dropped all these punnies or punny value bombs or whatever, and he just went with it. So fun. (laughs) 
Uh, man, me and my puns. I tend to make puns and then not realize I've made a pun, which is funny. Oh, same, same. <laughs> I'm, I'm a pun machine. Oh, God. Um, so what I was going to say is like, what if you're in, like, take me for an example. Uh, my hesitation with writing a book is that crowdfunding changes. Like, if I were to do tactics and strategies for how to have a big launch, they, the industry changes every six months that I feel like it would be an out of date piece. So that's my mental hangup. What would you say counter to that? Like why it matters or doesn't matter? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's a good point. So I would focus on what are the fundamentals that you, you can teach that, that don't change or that won't change as much because everything changes, right? I mean, if, if, if books are not written based on the fact that things might change, then no book would ever be written. Um, but, but I, I mean, like when I wrote my book published, my most recent book, I, I, had to, I had to think of that same thing. I had to say, okay, there are actually really great tactics that I could teach in this book that I need to keep from putting in this book because it'll make this book obsolete uh, in terms of, you know, the material will age and it'll become outdated. So I focus more on the strategies uh, and I, that's what I recommend. And then also think uh, it's important to consider what are the pain points? Uh, what are the pain points that your, your perfect customer has and speak to those? Uh, and, and their pain point is probably not, uh, you know, the tactic that you need to build a pre-release list before you start your Kickstarter, right? It, it, that may or may not be their pain point. That's a tactic that you use that they don't even know about. So you really speak to and position the book in terms of what are the pains that they have before they even talk to you. Speak to those pains, provide solutions to those pains, and provide strategies that they can use, and then they'll definitely hire you for the, t- for the actual implementation and the tactics. So smart. Man, I freaking love having a podcast because it's like I get free advice, <laughs> but it's also like bringing experts on the show. People are, you know, I hope you guys listening are taking mega notes because everything he's saying, I don't really care if you want to write a book or not, but it applies to business in general. So, 100%. Yeah. Um, so, tell me about the new book. This is number six, right? Yes, book number wow. six, launching nice. on de- December 6th. Uh, I am really, really excited. I, I, you know, everybody says this, right? It's like it's like your kids, and when you have a book, and and it's and when you ask someone, oh, what's your favorite book that you've written? It's like, oh, what's my favorite kid? I can't really say that. Uh, but I, and then I feel like also people say, oh, my latest book is the best book that I've ever done because I mean, if it wasn't, then why would you do the book, right? But I truly believe that this is the best book that I've ever done. It's called Published. The Proven Path from Blank Page to Published Author. Uh, it, it, this is the step-by-step roadmap that I wish I had when I wrote my first book. Uh, you know, it, it, writing a book can be an intimidating proposition, uh, and, and you can be confused about where to start or, or what to do first. Uh, and so this is a, literally a step-by-step guide going from, hey, I think I have an idea, and I don't even know if I can write this, to all the way up until, hey, Here's how you write the book. Here's how you tie the book. Here's how you create a cover. Here, here's how you get it edited. Here's how you market the book successfully. I mean, it's end to end, uh, and it's pretty comprehensive. And it's the book that I wish I had when I wrote my first book. I love it, and uh, it's available on Amazon. Is that yeah, you, you can want? find it on Amazon, and then also, um, depending on when you're listening to this, um, we're giving away some free copies of the book for a limited time. So you can check it out at self publishing school dot com forward slash 
published. Amazing. I'm going to pick that up right after we wrap this up. But, yeah, um, and you can okay. actually get a little marketing. You can see the marketing within the, within the marketing. So if you go through that, because it's a free book, all you have to do is pay shipping and handling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can see like, okay, what are the upsells? What are the cross sales? What's the follow-up look like? I mean, I, I like learning marketing from people by seeing how they actually do marketing. <laughs> uh, crazy concept, I know. No. Uh, so, so it's kinda, it, it gets a little meta if you go in there and uh, actually claim a free copy of the book. You'll see kind of like, okay, what are the upsells that we have? Things like that. Yeah. And guys, he's talking about, I love how I keep talking to the audience as if they're right in front of me, but um, like when Chandler's saying study the marketing, he means literally uh, download it, opt into the list and study the email sequences, what, how many he sends out, what he says in them. Um, because that's how I learn internet marketing is just by following some really great people like Russell Brunson, um, Amy Porterfield and to see like what they do in their launches. And that's how I understand how to put something together. So mm-hmm. it's really good strategy. Um, and I'm going to do it for you too, because I'm going to stalk you right after this. Love it. Love it. <laughs> um, great. My last question is if you can give one piece of advice to any aspiring author who is stuck on the writer's block or the getting started, what would that piece of advice be? That piece of advice would be to only focus on finishing your rough draft. That's literally the only thing that matters. Uh, so you don't need to focus on anything else. When people start, excuse me, you know that they say that uh, you tell when a writer's on the deadline because that's when they're on Facebook and social media the most. Mm, yes, yes. <laughs> and that's because the writing can be an uncomfortable process. So what I found that people do is when they start to write, they say, oh, wow, this is uncomfortable. Uh, how can I not write? And so they say, oh, well, I need a title. I need a cover. I need to think about how I'm going to market the book. Okay, I need thanks. to go. It, it's Whatever. all of those things are just a distraction. When someone comes to me and asks me a question about a title, I say, do you have your rough draft done? Nope. Okay. Don't talk to me. They ask me about a cover. Do you have your rough draft done? Okay. No, don't talk to me. Uh, ask me about some marketing tactic. It, it's, I mean, I can tell they've been way in the weeds on the marketing. Hey, do you have your rough draft done? Okay, no, don't talk. You're just putting it off. So the biggest piece of advice I could give people is focus only on the rough draft. Uh, and and we only have two rules inside self-publishing school. The first rule is that you can't edit while you write. It's so important. You have to get the rough draft finished, and then you can go back and edit. And the second one is you can't write more than one book at one time. So focus in on a singular book that rough draft and a magical thing happens when you get to that rough draft finish line uh, is you actually start to see the light at the end of the tunnel and you start to think that maybe just maybe you can get this thing done beautiful all right well this has been a fantastic interview i know we got to wrap this up in a couple minutes so um chandler it was awesome thanks so much for being on the show and i look forward to picking up my copy of published on amazon and the link to that will be in the show notes so thanks so much Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. Well, this interview wanted me to consider becoming an author on top of like everything else that I'm looking to accomplish for 2017. So it's actually cool that this episode is airing early December, just before I set my goals for next year. Um, Guys, don't forget to check out the book published. It is available on Amazon as of this episode being published. Um, Get the pun. (laughs) So funny. Or punny. Uh, Just screwed that up. But um. Hey, thanks so much for listening. And if you are in the middle of exploring whether crowdfunding is right for you or you're planning your first or even second launch, head over to crowdfundinguncut.com. You could pick up 
the physical product checklist, which is how to launch a physical product properly on Kickstarter. Um, it's based off of what strategies I've actually developed while uh, raising over $1.5 million on Kickstarter um, through four or five different campaigns. So crowdfundinguncut.com, it's a freebie. Just download the physical product launch checklist. And until next time, uh, love you guys and really excited to get into the Christmas holidays. And hey, if you are loving the show or not, feel free to head over to iTunes and to Crafty Uncut. The link to that's in the show notes and just leave us an honest review. It does help the show get found by other listeners. And this information is there to help you guys not make costly mistakes when it comes to launching your business online. So crowdfundinguncut.com and I'm Kirsten. So we will hear from, well, see you next time. Are you launching a product on either Kickstarter or Shopify and you're feeling completely overwhelmed with the process? Hi there, my name is Kirsten, the CEO of Launch and Scale. To date, we've helped several online sellers sell millions of dollars online and scale their business from zero to seven figures by focusing on building an audience of fans that will actually convert into paying customers. If you're serious about building a seven-figure e-commerce brand with less time and less risk, you should check out our product launch pad. PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step -step through the process of launching and scaling your product brand. Brands like The Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launch pad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launch pad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.